0: to invite you to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're going to be beginning in verse 19. And um, I just, uh, in case you're visiting, it came in later. My name is Omar. I'm the worship and evangelism pastor here at the church. And uh, our lead pastor is on vacation with his family. His daughter is a senior, and this is kind of their last Uh, trip they can take as a family. And so we're thankful that God has allowed us to have a great leader that uh, has led in such a way that he can be, in fact, gone on a Sunday and nothing's going to fall through the cracks. And that's the Lord leading him and leading this church in a mighty way. And so we're thankful uh, for God's closeness as a church and allowing him the time to go and to spend time with his family. This past Wednesday, we had our door-to-door evangelism training. And we had about 40 people show up, which was, bless my heart, and was just excited to ...to talk about what's going to be happening in the weeks leading up to Easter. If you don't know this or not, the the few weeks before we have our Easter outreach... ...and before we have Easter, we're going to be going door-to-door in three different neighborhoods... ...simply inviting our community to the Easter outreach and to Easter Sunday. And as we began just talking about those things, I, I had to testify to them that my heart and my spirit are encouraged... I'm so thankful for the Lord has us as a church, has us as a body. And I began sharing just different testimonies of many people who have come to me and have voiced their conversations. They've had some with strangers, others with people they've known, but yet have not had a chance to share the good news. Uh, we saw Jim Rannick's video a few weeks ago how he felt like the Lord might use him while he was at Jiffy Lube and and, and as he is going there, he, he says, God, if there's someone in the waiting room, let me know who that is. And I promise I will share the goodness of Jesus. And he goes and sits there and he, he says, I was kind of relieved because there was nobody in there. Because you can understand how difficult it is to just speak to a stranger, much less talk about the Bible. But as, as the Lord would have it, as he was checking out, there was a man he was supposed to talk to. And it was a guy that actually worked on his car and he was able to testify to God's love in that man's life. A few weeks later, his wife calls me, it's around 7.30 at night, and I'm thinking something bad has happened. And, and she's kind of excited over the phone as if maybe she had won the lottery. And I'm like, Christy, what's going on? And she said, man, I, I got to tell someone about the Lord, Omar. And she just began for 30 minutes testifying to how good God was and allowing her this opportunity to share the love of Christ. And she said that she walked outside and realized she had had a connect card that had all of our church's information. So she grabs it and runs back into the store and says, hey, I want you to come this Sunday. You just saw Kathy's video, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But uh, just the boldness as she's walking on a track, uh, looking for an opportunity, God presents one, and she capitalizes on it. And we're going to talk about the question she asked in just a second. Another lady has, uh, was sharing with me that she was having a meeting with her financial advisor. And the financial advisor said, Hey, look, uh, maybe you shouldn't give so much tithe to the church. Uh, maybe, maybe that should be kind of the last thing that you give because you've got some other things you need to focus on and take care of. But because of that question, the Lord provided an opportunity for her to say, the money's not even mine. This, this is God's gifting to us. The least I can do is give him what he is doing, what he's asked for me. And so this isn't, uh, this isn't up for debate. We are going to continue to tithe from the first and most definitely not the last. Another lady was telling me that she had felt the Spirit of God leading her to go pray for a man. She heard a conversation that, she was, that he was having about a family member who uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And she thought, I need to go pray for this person. I need to go share the love of Christ, but I can't. She was frozen deep inside. She couldn't move. And so she wrestled and battled with the Lord for, for moments, for like 25 minutes. And I hope you get to hear her story in the weeks to come. But she just said, I finally had enough courage and I went to talk to him. And because of her obedience, his heart had been relieved. And he needed to hear someone tell him about the love of Jesus. And hear someone talking about God in that moment. Eric Wald has shared with me multiple times how he has had able to connect with lost people. Brad Franks, who has shared with me his, his conversations with people. Patty Tanner, I'm telling you, there is a long list of people that have shared stories, and I'm telling you, my heart and my spirit is encouraged and is blessed. And I'm a nobody. I know that the Lord's heart and His spirit is excited. And you, my friends, are being a tremendous blessing to the name of Jesus. Kathy asked a great question in the video and this is real life this isn't a made-up story this actually happened and she asks the lady this do you believe in the afterlife do you believe in life after death and you heard the response it was uh just a sincere no i don't and i gotta be honest the times that i have had the chance to love on people the response is the same and they'll say something like this. Well, you know what? Before you were born, did you know that life existed? You had no clue of what life was like and, and anything about it. And so you were kind of just in this void. But then you were born and now you're alive and you've grown up. And now you can experience things. But nobody's really died, gone to hell or gone to heaven and lived to talk about it, come back and share those truths with us. And so I, they all are in agreement, those who are far from the Lord. hey, look, look. There, there is no life after death, you just, you disappear, you're forgotten about, and that's, that's reality. And this is the stance that many people who are far from God actually have, and they actually take. But I love Kathy's response. She said, well, listen, I do. I believe that life is everlasting. And in this life, we can choose to be close to God, to repent of our sins, and to follow after Him. And if we are faithful to do that, we will be found in the presence of God, the Creator of the universe, forever. But if you don't repent and you don't believe and you entertain this life and, and want heaven on earth, you will be eternally separated from that God which from, from God which is in hell, where the presence of God does not exist. C.S. Lewis said one time that that the greatest evidence that heaven and hell are real is the fact that we as humans are always thinking about the future. And more importantly, we're always thinking, I wonder what it's like on the other side. I know this is true. When I was growing growing up, I was in church, and and I heard about heaven, I heard about hell, and I always thought to myself, what is heaven really going to be like? Are there going to, is it going to be streets of gold or what, what how big is my mansion going to be? How many rooms am I going to have? Like what toys am I going to get to play with? Are we going to have a baseball field in the back? Because I love baseball and I want to play as often as I can. And in the same thought, I thought to myself, I wonder what hell's really like. I mean, I, I know that it's, it's a place where people will want to die, but death will not become of them. And we'll talk, we'll hear about uh, the rich man's uh, reality in this story in a second. But I always thought, I wonder, I wonder what it's like on the other side. And it's like, it's like this, the, the fish in the sea doesn't swim around thinking, man, I love the water. I love that my gills, they, in, they, they suck in water and I don't drown and choke on it, but I can actually breathe on the water. I love swimming around and, and looking at all the things under the water. I wonder what it's like to actually fly. We don't hear fish talking about that because they don't have a voice. On the the flip side, I I, I think about a bird, and, and, and he's not thinking, man, I really love flying. Flying's amazing. I can go to the highest mountain. I can soar over the trees. I have the best view that anybody has ever had. I wonder what it's like in the water. And the reason I don't believe those questions exist is because the bird and the fish are in the environment that they were created for. God put them there. Let me me remind you, you and I are not currently in the environment that we were created for. We're not. God didn't make us to live on earth forever. In fact, he made us to have unity with him. He created us so that we could one day be in the presence of him forever and ever. Amen. You should rejoice in that truth. Before we get into this parable, I'm sorry, this microphone keeps on falling on me. I think there's two things that we need to understand. A parable is a story that only existed in the mind of God, right? Right? If this was a, a true story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John could have just told this story, and it would have been, in fact, just that a story. And not that those stories are discredited as useless, they are great stories because they talk about uh, uh, healings and miracles that Jesus performed. So they're, they're not discredited as, as anything less, they're important. But I think a parable is so unique because the story is a made up story. And you might be thinking, well, what's good? what good is a made-up story? You have to understand who the origin of the story is. Jesus himself thought of a story, and Jesus never wasted his thoughts, he never wasted his breath, and he never wasted a single word. And so if Jesus thought this story, if Jesus spoke this story, I promise it is important for us to listen. Listen. One more thing before we get in there. There is only one person that truly knows what heaven is like and what hell is like. Only one person. And that's Jesus. And he loved us enough to give us a small snapshot into what heaven and hell is like. And we're going to find out that the story, it might sound like heaven and hell on the surface, but there's so much more to it at the end. So I want you to follow along in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And the ESV says that uh, he he uh, fed on food quite often. He feasted sumptuously. Every day. Before we move on, I I was reading just what does it mean to have uh, uh, purple linens and to be clothed in purple. And you may know this, but um, if you had purple, you were considered royalty. But I was reading an article, and it was talking about how crazy um, intense it was to actually make a garment that was purple. One of the articles said that it would take 12,000 sea snails— to come and to, to be, I guess smashed and, and all this, it took weeks for this to come, and those 12,000 sea snails would only line the outside of a garment. It wouldn 't even color the whole thing. And Jesus in this story he 's saying, "Look, there this man is extremely wealthy. He has everything. At his gate, verse 20 was laid a beggar named. And I believe just the contemporary setting, every parable has a setting and it has a couple of scenes. And the contemporary version might look something like this. There was a man who lived in upstate New York. He lived in one of the most expensive homes that money could buy. He paid a roughly $10 million for his house. It was only about 2,000 square feet, but it didn't matter because every hour this man made about $6 million. So money meant nothing to him. He had clothing that was shipped to him from all over the world, specifically tailored and designed for him. The shoes that he wore were amazing. Different animals were used to to create them. and, And this man literally had everything money could buy. And as he's thinking about his day, he had a great morning. He had a great breakfast with a bunch of friends and and ate really well and and had lunch with some more friends. And he's just, man, he's loving life. Like, God, like this is this is amazing. My life is good. And he's preparing for a night out with a bunch of friends. And he's thinking, man, if, if it's anything like last night, I can't wait for this night. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have fun. We're gonna meet new people. It's gonna be a great evening. And as he walks down into the lobby, he's greeted by many people who know his name. He walks across the sidewalk and he sits down in his limousine. The limo driver opens the door for him and he sits down into a seat that was made specifically for him. It kind of wrapped around him like a glove. And he sits back and thinks, man, life is amazing. Hashtag blessed. I, I, I can't believe this, this is all me. This is all mine. And it's a nice day. And he, he rolls down the window. And, and as he looks that way, he, he catches this smell. And it stinks. He looks at what looks like a pile of rags. But it's actually a man named Lazarus. And it's, it's difficult to look at because, A, he smells bad. His body has sores all over him. Lazarus is really just trying to grab something to eat from where he can. Maybe it's the trash can next to him from the rich man's, and he's trying to eat whatever he can. He's just trying to survive every day. And it's so so bad that the dogs are coming around, and they're licking his sores. And the rich man's like, man, I... I don't have to look at this anymore. I'm going to roll up my window, dark limo tent, and he kind of just blocks it out of his mind. And he, he sits back down and he just, he blocks it and thinks, man, life can't get any better than this. And about the same time, Lazarus is sitting on the floor. He is being licked by these dogs. He is in complete pain. And, and he says to himself, life can't get any worse than this. They were both right Lazarus draws his last breath his head hits his chest his body hits the floor but as it goes down something reverses his trajectory and he finds himself in heaven and there is a feast there is a table there is is food from uh, mile to mile and Lazarus is saying to himself man this certainly isn't for me I'm the servant, I'm the poor one. Where where is my, where's the back table? Where's the back room where I can go and hang out and wait for them to finish eating so I can maybe grab the scraps? But then he realizes, no, this this table is made for him and there's a seat right next to Abraham. And he's, he's allowed to sit there and he begins, man, I haven't seen so much good food in my life. And I believe he just begins eating and tearing up all this food. And as that's happening, the, the, the rich man, his head hits his chest. He draws his last breath. And as his body hits the leather in that limousine, nothing reverses his trajectory. But he finds himself in Hades, as ESV says. He finds himself in hell. And this is the setting that Jesus gives us at the beginning of Luke 16, 19 through 23. And here is the first scene. 23 In hell where he was in torment he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side by his side so he called to him father Abraham have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because i am in agony with this fire In verses 9 through the 21, Jesus makes it very clear that no one is exempt from death. Everyone is going to die, whether you're rich, whether you're poor. Whether you're in between, wealthy or not, everyone will draw their last breath. And we know that the rich man had everything, and the poor man had nothing, and he had health problems and issues. Both men die, and I think this is one of the most difficult things to talk to people, especially those who have lost a loved one. And I don't want to bring up bad memories, but I think this is important for us to know. As I have shared with people, they have confessed, some have said, well, my loved one has passed away. And I hate that, because I know that brings up a hurt and a pain that I don't ever want to bring to the surface. But there is a truth, and that if, if they don't repent and they don't believe in Jesus, they will be eternally separated from God. And those people, I can understand where they get frustrated because they might know that their loved one did not pledge their allegiance to Jesus. And currently, right now, they are probably in a place called hell. And it's difficult to articulate the love of God to these people because they know the destiny of their loved one. And it becomes difficult, and, and the enemy uses this wall to prevent people from surrendering their allegiance to him. Death is inevitable. It is going to happen. I think it's interesting to me that, that in hell, there is clear vision. In verse 23, it says that the, the rich man looks up and sees Lazarus and sees Abraham. And and I think about the rich man in this life literally having everything at his disposal. Nothing was was hard for him to grab a hold of. Everything was his, literally. And as he's in hell, what is the first thing you think he would ask for? I'll tell you what I would ask for. If I was in hell and I, I realized this was my reality, my one request would be, Father Abraham, get me out of hell. I've been in here just long enough to know that this is not where I want to spend the rest of my life Please rescue me from this place But jesus is telling the story and so he's making it very clear that that's not even an option And so what is the what is the next best thing that this man is looking for man he could ask for uh, uh, A fire extinguisher he could ask for all these things out of all the things he's ever had in his life Oh, what is he asking for? He's asking for a drop of water Just a drop of water. It's amazing to me that he had everything in this life. And and as he's looking to Abraham, he's still trying to be served even in hell. He's saying, hey, send the servant Lazarus to come and to give me water. He He hasn't realized yet. He's still being selfish. He's still expecting people to serve him and people to give to him. Even in hell. Verse 25. But Abraham replied, Son, again, he called him Father, and he says, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things? But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides this, all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from here to us. And I think this is one of the most important things that Jesus wants us to hear this morning. Hell is the reversal of this life. Hell is a complete reversal of this life. It is an irreversible reality. In the, the, the chapters prior to and around this parable, Jesus gives us a few stories, and again, this is kind of Omar's thinking, but the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. There was a man that came out of the mall, and as he came out, he saw one of his church members. He had been shot, and he is bleeding. And the pastor looks at him and, and realizes, man, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that, and realizes that the, the, the man who was dying had not re- seen that he was a pastor, and so he takes off to the other direction, trying not to get into that mess. And as he leaves, a deacon comes by and he sees the member sitting there bleeding and dying. But then he realizes, hey, he hasn't seen me and I'm going to take off in this direction. But then a young lady who is a Muslim, who worships a different God, stops, picks him up, takes him to the hospital, and nurses him back to health and pays for everything. Everything. Luke gives us the story of complete opposites in one where we think this would be the one to bring help, but it's actually this one who brings the aid. The one who is in humble estate is the one that, is the one that comes to the rescue. There's another story about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Again, the modern story. There was a man who, who had the most amazing prayer. He begins praying before the service and, and people around him are thinking, man, this guy is well-versed. He is speaking amazingly well. And he sits there and thinks to himself, Man, I, I am, I'm doing great. I'm so glad that I, I, can, I can preach better and I can pray better than all these people around me. Man, I'm, I'm it. I'm amazing. And even God, a little bit, was impressed with what he was praying. But then there was a convicted murderer that comes and he sits at the back pew and bangs his head in front of him and says, God... Have mercy on me. I need help. God heard one prayer that night. And Luke gives us this picture. Jesus tells Luke to pin these complete opposites, these complete role reversals. And in Mark 10, 31, Jesus is speaking and, and And he kind of is is prophetic and says the first will be last and the last will be first on earth our earthly resources can have eternal consequences and we see that in the story of the rich man and Lazarus verse 26 gonna reread it besides all this between us and you a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot nor can anyone cross over there to us If you've missed everything this morning, don't miss this. Jesus Christ will use his spirit. He will do whatever it takes to seek you in this life. He will go to the highest of the mountains. In Psalms, it talks about he will meet us in the depths. He will go anywhere in this life to seek you out. But in hell, Christ will not go after you. He cannot and he will not. On this life, there is complete hope. And in this life, there's absolutely no hope. In this life, you get to hear the message and the salvation that only comes through Jesus Christ. And in this life, in hell, you will not hear a message about anything. You will long for a message, but none will be given to you. Jesus will smell like sheep for you. but he will not smell like smoke for you. Jesus was scarred for you, but he will not be singed for you. He will not pursue you after this life if you have not given your life to him. If you have been eating healthy, maybe you've had seasons of eating well, You know that when you buy organic things and things that are more expensive, they seem not to have a great shelf life, right? There's no additives or preservatives to make that stuff last even longer. In fact, it costs more money and and it, it goes bad a lot sooner. The grace, the hope, the love of Jesus Christ has an expiration date. There's going to be a day that that will no longer be available. And I'm getting emotional because of this. I know that I have passed many people, and I have kept my mouth shut, so I'm just as guilty as you. People are going to face the judge one day. And they're going to have to give account for their life. Verse 27. Before that, the Bible says that there has been a chasm that has been fixed by God. It doesn't say specifically that God put this, but Jesus is speaking. He says there has been fixed a great chasm. What's what's hopeful for us today is that Jesus Christ has provided a bridge for us to get to God, and that is by the cross. He has given us a way that we can have that right relationship with him. But in this life, the cross has no power. And it cannot and it will not save when that time is up. Verse 27. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my house. For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment Listen The rich man isn't an evil man he, He's not He's not a punk if you will Like um, he, he really has only done one thing And it, ha- it, it really is just not really um, Loving on Lazarus The way that he should have But really he's A good guy And there's not many good things In hell but there are a couple of good things In hell One, there's good vision in hell. Again, we see that he can see clearly what's going on. There are good prayers And that that was a a good prayer. Hey, my brothers are destined to this place as well. And please if if you could Warn them use lazarus warn them of this place And and it's good intentions he had great intentions to try to rescue his brother. And you think that he's understanding it now and thinking, man, uh, maybe maybe he's getting a hold of what Abraham is trying to articulate. In verse 29, Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. Abraham's saying, look, the, the only thing that can change the outcome of your brothers is the word of God. That's it. You want them to to not go to hell. What's going to change their reality is, in fact, God's word. Period. And I I think it's interesting. Again, the rich man in hell has no foundation to stand on. The next verse says this. No, Father Abraham, he said. But if someone from the dead goes to them... They will repent. And now, maybe he's seeing a little bit more clearly now. If, if No, no, Father, Him, they have the word. Everybody has a Bible. Everybody knows what's in it. And that's good things for some things. But I'm telling you, man, if he were to rise from the dead and come down and, and, and become in flesh and talk to them, I know at that moment they will believe and they will repent and, and, and they won't come to hell. Listen, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he understands this because he says, Look, they will in fact repent. Verse 31, he said to him, If they don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. I love how Jesus is being prophetic because in the next few days there is a real man named Lazarus again this is the parable but but Jesus will in fact raise Lazarus from the dead after being dead days. And when Jesus rises Lazarus from the dead everybody repented and believed, right? No. They didn't. In fact they sought a way to try to have Jesus crucified, to have Jesus executed. Days later, Jesus is in fact uh, murdered, he's crucified, he is hung on a cross, he dies, he is buried for three days and rises again. And and when he appears to people, they all repented and believed, did they not? No, they, they actually told the guards, hey, try to make up this lie, try to make up this story so people won't believe what really took place. What is it exactly that the Lord is trying to have us understand is, yes, this is a story about heaven and hell. Yes, he, he goes into some of this, but I believe for us to grasp the full meaning of what Jesus is trying to articulate to us, we have to go back into to Luke chapter 16 and kind of the first parable, the parable of the shrewd manager. And again, this is the contemporary version. There was a manager who had a, a guy that, was, that owed him money. And he said, man, you're fired. Where's the money that I, that I asked? And he's like, I don't, I don't have the money. Like, uh, and he said, well, guess what? Uh, you're fired, and, and you're done. So this guy, Scripture says, he goes and he, he goes to the first guy and says, hey, man, how much did you owe the, the manager? Like, how much? And he's like, well, I owed him about $10 million. Well, if, if you give me $5 million, I will wipe away the $5 million. And, and so he does that, and, and he becomes to have this great friendship with this guy. And the next guy he goes up to and says, hey, how much did you owe the manager? He's like, well, I owed him about 20 grand, 20 million. And he says, well, hey, give me 7 million. I'll, I'll forgive the rest and, and, and you're going to be good to go. And, and, and he becomes friends with this guy. And the, the third guy's like, man, I, I owe him 30 million dollars. Like I can't pay. He's like, you know what? Just give me 10. We'll call it good. And now he made friends with this guy and and listen to the response the master commended his dishonesty his dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly what in the world for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light I tell you use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings what in the world is Jesus trying to say it doesn't make sense but here it is You and I have been fired from this life. We have an expiration date. We've been given everything in Christ Jesus. And he is saying in this parable use every resource that you have been given by God, whether it be finances, whether it be talents, abilities, and mainly the word of God to change people's lives for the kingdom. This is what Jesus is trying to articulate. Use all the resources. You have been given everything in Christ Jesus. The rich man was given everything in this life, but he was stingy with it. He didn't give it to those who were in need. And Jesus is saying, You use every ounce of your being and mainly use the Word of God. Because what was the reality? The rich man said, Nah. They're not going to listen to the word. They're going to listen to and believe a miracle. This is a difficult passage to kind of walk through at times. But I believe everyone in this room might relate to some of the characters who are in this story. We have the rich man, who you may be in this life and you've been given... All things. You have a great job. You've been given a nice life. You've been given a great family. But that's just it. You are hoarding it for yourself. And just like the rich man, he didn't give anything away. And maybe if you're honest with yourself, you might be in here thinking I I am I'm this rich man. I've been stingy with God's love. I've been stingy with God's truth and I have not talked to anybody about this. And maybe, maybe you can relate to the brothers who are still on earth. Seeking and maybe understanding what is life after death. What is the truth of Jesus? And maybe you don't even know that reality this morning. But I encourage you. There's going to be some people up here. We'll have David and myself. And if you have questions about what does it mean to have salvation in Jesus, and and if you were literally to draw your last breath, you would find yourself in a place called hell, separated from God forever. And you realize that that is not what you want to have happen in your life. Or maybe you're like Lazarus. That you know, that you know, that you know, if you were to die today and you were to draw your last breath and your body would hit the ground, your, your trajectory would be reversed and you would be in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But, you did nothing with that truth. You kept it to yourself and said, God, I, I don't love people enough. I'm good in my salvation. I'm good in my security. I'm done. This morning, this this story applies to everyone in this room. And my encouragement from you is if you have not pledged your allegiance to Jesus, if you, if you know today that you would be eternally separated from holy God, today's a day for salvation. The Bible says that if, if you were to deny Christ before men, Jesus says, my Father will deny you before himself. I said this last year. The Lord is not going to be lukewarm in his judgment. We all agree that there are a lot of lukewarm Christians living in this world where we're neither hot nor cold, and we're just trying to live life to please ourselves. I'm telling you right now, if you were to face the judge and you've been lukewarm in your Christianity, God's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. He has a righteous judgment, and it's gonna, he's going to give it. Your expiration date, that love of Jesus and the salvation in Christ is coming and where do you stand God I pray right now that you would use your word I'm thankful that it's not about a miracle I'm thankful that it's not about uh, some miraculous thing that, that changes people's lives I'm thankful you have the power to accomplish that but I'm thankful that it is in Christ alone, that it is in fact in your word that kingdom growth takes place. God, I pray for the individual in this room that may know you, God, that is, is close to you, but they struggle with being vocal about who they live for. God, I pray this moment you would fill them with your spirit and they would repent and be transformed and they would be the, the warriors for Jesus that they were called to be from this day forward. God, I pray for the one who has not yet given their life to Jesus, but God, this morning, they would repent of their sins, they would follow after you, and they would secure their closeness for eternity in your presence. God, I pray for those who might be confused about what it means to have salvation in Jesus. And God, if they have questions, I pray that you would help them through your spirit to seek someone out to find the answer. God, we give you ourselves God this response time is completely yours it's in Jesus name we pray amen i want to invite you.